0: That's one of the strikes of the season. Oh, what a goal that is! Penalty! Penalty! You couldn't make it up! You couldn't make it up! Welcome to FBL Podcasts. Thank you for uh,
1: Thank you for coming all this way, actually. It's um, it's good.
0: It's nothing less than you deserve, as you pointed out off the air before it
1: came on. The standard being set. People driving all this way for
0: me. Just one, aside from the season ahead and everything else, uh, it's been a good opportunity just to go back over the career and where you got to today and um, answering a few of the critics as well that there is on Soccer Twitter about uh, (laughs) the recycling and everything else that goes on.
1: Yeah, the recycling thing makes me laugh because um, you've got to understand, first and foremost, the landscape we're in. Um, a competition that has 10 teams Um, at times it's had 8 or 9 when you take away North Queensland at one point and Gold Coast Um, and rightly so they have pointed out there's been players that have been recycled players that have been released from club gone to another club released, gone to another club Um, but in my point I've never ever um, been let go by an A-League team I've always chose to leave the A-League team um, so in terms of recycling, um, if you want to call, um, play a player who chooses to leave for certain reasons, a recycle player, then, well, I guess you, you don't really understand the, uh, the term, um, recycle is, is a case of putting in the trash kind of thing. Yeah. Um, if you want to put, but Pick up yeah, things um, right? but I mean, I've, I've, I've heard people like, um, you know, Daria Vidicic being called recycled. And I think... You know the, the the number of clubs people have is one thing, but and um, if you're calling a soccer who's been to two World Cups um, a recycled a recycled or, or trash, um, yeah, I, I don't really understand it. So you know when it comes to the the whole uh, term of it, um, I laugh at it a bit because, like I said, the landscape we are in there is only eight to ten teams, um, and there as is said,
0: al- there's also the the contract issues with the of course uh, and and the salary cap
1: and a lot of people a lot of uh, individuals get blamed but i mean it's the clubs who are only giving these small contracts yeah. um, i've never ever signed um, anything less than a two-year contract and like i said i've chose to depart every club in the a-league um but i mean the clubs are the ones that have signed a lot of lads to one one year contracts and therefore they've had to move on for whatever reason um so it's interesting. I mean, I know Western United came out this year before they signed and said they weren't going to. Uh, they were going to look for a lot of MPL talent, and you know they weren't going to just sign a lot of XA League players. But I mean, that didn't really happen. They did yeah. so. Um, yeah. As I said, there's certainly cases that you, you, you can uh, call it a recycled um, to situation. But yeah, when it comes to me, um, as I said, I, I do find it funny. I mean. Uh, I I don't understand how I can um, be tagged a a recycled person when uh, I've chose to leave and and, and that's the case.
0: Yeah, I mean, it it is interesting with the the, the salary cap and the the contract situation where the players don't want to be tied down for too long at a limited wage, obviously, and the clubs don't necessarily want to be tied down to one player who might not develop into the potential that they
1: hope. Well, you look at the clubs and... Well, you look at the stats that um, you know have come out each year. The turnover of the players is, is unbelievable. Yeah. Only recently, the last two or so years, um, I think it might have been or well, Brisbane Raw, a few years ago. They signed a lot of players to four or five year contracts early on. But apart from that, the last two years have probably been the biggest um, uprising in terms of lengths of contract. I mean, I came back here on a four year contract. So, like I said, I mean, people want to. Uh, Uh, identify individuals uh, as the reason or as a as a recycled but clubs are only giving these players only one year contracts so therefore um you know they have mortgages like uh, every listener on this podcast um they have responsibilities so they need to try and get a a a wage so yeah it makes me laugh when i see the recycle but i also think it's a bit of lazy journalism too like whenever i read um yeah uh, a, a player that's had a few clubs. And you know, the first paragraph is, you know, this is his fifth club. It's like, okay, yeah, but didn't know that. But it's a bit of lazy journalism too, so mm. A little bit of pop at the journalist too. <laughs> there we go. Spread the yeah. spread the pop. Yeah. yeah, we're all we're all
0: responsible. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Going back to the beginning though, um, you kicked off with a club that's uh, got its own hard times at the moment Bolton. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you've been following what's happening over there.
1: Yeah, well, I have. Um, I did a, an article. um couple of last week kind of thing and, and, and you know, retouched uh, on a lot of things that, um, you know, my involvement in the football club, albeit you know, 10 or so years ago, um, and those 10 or so years ago, the club was in Europe, um, the club was a regular team in the top eight and, um, you know, I, I, I um, got to live in the area um, of Lostock. Uh, my early years there, I, I got to live with a host family, um, you know, Mike and Sheena Murray, who lived. Um, it would have been about us. roughly 500 meters from, you know, the Reebok Stadium. Oh. Um, uh, I got to, as I said, well, playing for the club and, and, and starting the academy. Um, you know, I, I had two. We had two volunteers who would go around and pick up the young scholars um, out of, the, or they got. I'm sure they got paid, but there they were two older gentlemen, uh, Trevor and Ian. And who would die for the club. Um, And then from where the club was then and and to now. And uh, look, you know, uh, football clubs are are massive things, but it's more so the people who I've touched on just there that I I feel for the most. Mm. There's these people who, um, you know, day in, day out supported um, the football club, Uh, day in, day out did things for the football club that, um, you know, most regular fans or or, or people would, would do. So, you know, for that for that to, to happen, I mean, it's been happening for a while. They sold the the training ground to Wigan. I think it was about three or four years ago. So the decline of the club obviously was uh, forecasted. You know, they did they did get relegated um, before that, but the decline of the club financially, you know, it's not like just it's come upon uh, overnight. That there's been a um, a decline over a fair few years, and now they, they stand in in League One with minus I think 12 points. Mm-hmm. Um, haven't won a game yet. Um, been saved financially for the for the time being but it's just sad uh, you know in the sense of you know where they've once been to to where they are now and then you, know, you look at Barry, another you know um northwest um football club that uh i knew a few people from uh, and you know that that football club's gone. The history of it gone. So,
0: it's amazing how many clubs there are in that small area. Just unbelievable. Its periphery satellites. Yeah, the northwest
1: of England. Um, and the thing about the northwest of England, I'd say, is it's a real working class area. Mm. Um, you, you'd probably know as, a, as being a, a person from the United Kingdom that you know, the northwest of England is uh, yeah, a lot of hard working people that you know put their their work in from Monday to Friday to get their money to pay for a ticket. And that was the the real thing with um, you know, Bolton and Barry. That um, more so more so because they'd never been to the Premier League, but you know Bolton. That was the, the the kind of trend. And people from Monday to Friday would head down to the Reebok on the Saturday um, and watch Big Sam's team, you know, compete against Arsenal and beat Arsenal at the, the Reebok. So, look, we, we have our own problems here in Australia, um, but it just shows you that. Uh, if a football club is not looked after properly and, and the people looking after have the, the right interests of the club, then it goes down you know, downhill pretty quick. Yeah,
0: I think it also reflects on the sort of top-up mentality that there is, you know, all the money flowing in at the top and not finding its way further down.
1: And That's the thing. Uh, I think sometimes, um, you know, uh, we're here in Australia, we only really see... Uh, the top end of it you know the Premier League and, and, and the Championship but you know from League 1 League 2 uh, to the conference and you know we, we've heard a little bit about Salford because of um, the investment of, of their owners and stuff but you know that, that that's the the good side of it. you don't really see the, the teams that are, are struggling uh, financially and um, you know we hear about it now because of uh, you know the, the size of the club that was struggling but you know people want to understand about Barry and, and the history they've got in the Football League and you know for it to be Taken away by pretty much, you know, one man who mm-hmm. had a history of uh, uh, of uh, failing in, in business. Um, it's sad, but you know, I'm sure rugby league people might understand it because you've had like the Gold Coast, Bear, uh, Gold Coast Bears, and South Sydney. They got uh, taken out of the competition, but for, for like it again. yeah, for, for, for football teams. I mean, Gold Coast and, and North Queensland will be a lot shorter history. It happens in in Australia too, so. Yeah. It just shows you everywhere in the world that you know um financially teams are, are struggling but if it's the best interest uh, of, of the fans and, and and the club are there then then it'll work out
0: you would have been what 16 was it when you went to oh
1: 15 and left at uh, 18 close to 19 yeah
0: that's that's a pretty young age to be uh yeah how no, did, it, was, how did um, it all
1: come about uh i went to the the famous school westwood sports high yeah um where you know uh for the the newer generation, it's Aaron Moy, uh, Maddie Ryan. Um, previous to that was Harry Kuehl. Uh, I think Jason Kalina. So there's been a lot of uh, talent. Trevor Morgan, who is the under-17s coach, um, and his assistant, Casey De Bruyne, uh, were the ones that headed it up. Uh, before, that was Kelly Cross. So it happened that um, you know I went there from year seven, left in year 10. But, um, yeah, it was a, it was a full... Time kind of environment where you know you studied, but you also did your, your football and gave you an insight into a, uh, a professional, um, I guess, setup. And then it happened that there was a relationship that the Bolton Wanderers football director came over to Australia and watched myself in a or myself and another young lad in a under 15 state tournament. And then the partnership started with Westfield and Bolton and myself. And another lad went over there. I signed, and then the other lad didn't. And then a year later, Asa signed, and um, we were together at Bolton for a few years, living together.
0: Excellent. Yeah. And how did you find the UK at that age?
1: I loved it. Uh, my mum and dad are both from Glasgow, um, so I'd travelled. I a didn't fair actually realise that. Yeah, yeah right. travelled a fair bit from Clybank, um, right. another working class uh, part of the world. So I'd been to the United Kingdom a fair few times. Uh, my dad um had played professional football so it was always in my 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 blood and having gone over there um you know the summer holidays our time winter there you know you got a a real taste of it all being with the the Christmas fixtures um in the United Kingdom was the best time of the year so uh, that's all I wanted wanted to do and then 15 I went over there and um like I said I had good people looking after me and and I had a, a good time at the club uh that's Yeah, that's the only club I got released from in my career. And that was, um, yeah, it's something that is disappointing. But you look back and, um, you know, if it didn't happen, well, I might not be here. But you never (coughs) know. It might have been better, might have been worse. So it is what it is.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Then back to uh, Adelaide?
1: Yeah. Yeah, back to Adelaide. So it worked out that I I went to Dundee United uh, at the end of the season, of their season at the time when. Craig Levine was in charge, and Peter Houston, his assistant who's, who's coached, uh, they were in charge, and I trained with them for about a week to 10 days, and, and then they asked me to, to come back in the, Janu- uh, sorry, the the June of the new season for uh, the pre-season. But um, I kind of had my heart set on uh, coming back to, and playing in Australia, and that was the time the A-League was was slowly... well, It was gradually getting big, better and better, and... Um, and Adelaide United, I met up with um, Aurelia Vidmar and Michael Petrillo, uh, who, who's the director of football here at Melbourne City, and uh, it started from there. Yeah, I went in there as a, an, a 19-year-old and um, played up, ended up moving Cassio further up the pitch, and, and myself at left back, and and had an unbelievable first year, which uh, is a blessing but also a curse because I I, <laughs> I I had I made my Socceroos debut. I made the Club World Cup, I made the Asian Champions League final, I made the uh, Hyundai League final as a 19-year-old and I kind of thought, well, this is the norm. <laughs> um, and, you know, this is normal, you know, you're making soccer squads and, and uh, making finals, uh, albeit not winning them, but had that amazing first year and then I had offers to go to Holland for the second year and um, I, I, I turned into a little bit of a dick, to be honest with you, I, I got a bit comfortable and... Said, no i want to stay and i'll do what i did in the first year adelaide and, and then yeah things just uh, didn't pan out i was um yeah i, I struggled in terms of form i, I struggled in terms of uh, expectation a little bit and and then um was, up, it, was it was a complacency thing that yeah you? i'd say so um look i'm a pretty hard critic on myself and when you're in the midst of this you don't you can't really step out and, and see what's happening um what, what's going on because you're in the midst of it and you think you're doing well but you, know, you look back on it and uh, and you you kind of see that the patterns that you're falling into just being complacent and um you know i was never disruptive uh, or anything like that it's it just probably uh you know you, you don't turn up to training and train as hard and then on the flip side you try too hard because of that and then you're just trying to find yourself uh, you know drowning a little bit and, and and that was fine you know what i mean i, I was only 19 20 and i wish i'd listened to a few people i had you know some real strong people trying to push me back overseas at that time i had um Verbeek. the bake he was pushing me um because in the soccer room setup he was trying to help me get to holland mm-hmm. um and i just yeah as i said I, I just didn't listen to people and you know that's um people are probably saying well you seem like that now because you're a confident person but i'm open enough to admit that you know it's better to listen to people um, and i've learned that 100 so it was. It was I had um, Groningen, and um, I went to Groningen and, and, and stuff like that. But I just wanted to come back to the A League and, and enjoy myself in terms of uh, playing on the weekend and, and then playing the soccer Socceroos and, and everything like that. But it didn't pan out.
0: Mm. It's one of those truisms that keeps getting repeated about uh, young players coming through in Australia. They do come reach that peak, or they think it's a peak, yeah. and they sit back.
1: Yeah. yeah, it is like. People ask me and stuff now about, should a young player go overseas now, or or should they stay? And I, I I put it down to an individual case, is an individual answer. So I can't give anyone the answer. Um, I don't regret anything. If I had my time back, I maybe would have. Uh, I definitely would have listened to people. But there's a, there's individuals have different times when they grow up, they mature, and some are good enough and and mature enough to do it at. 18 and go over there and play and, and stick it out, or some come back and do well and then you know they they take the opportunity to go back over. So it is what it is, but you just need to be open and and honest enough to know when you've uh, you've probably done wrong and but open enough and honest enough to to be able to listen to people and take advice.
0: Mm. Yeah. The uh, the So squad back in those days, I think in sort of hindsight, um, Pim Verbeek probably got a bit of a bad press yeah. at the time. Yeah, uh, I think you could probably do a bit of a revisionism and actually look at him and say mm, he, 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 did he was a, good. He was a yeah. pretty decent coach, actually.
1: He copped it because he uh, he, he said the the A League, he'd rather have people training in Holland than playing in the A League, and and then at that time, you know, the the whole feeling around the A League was growing, and then you have the national coach say that it was kind of like all right, well, forecast down, <laughs> you know, it's thunder, you know. Yeah. But I, I really enjoyed him and uh, enjoyed. Um, you know, and uh, you know, I, I played under him two two times, but I was also in World Cup qualifying squads. And I know he liked me, and um, you know, that's always a help. But um, I enjoyed working with him, him and his his assistant. So it is. It it is. a great experience at the time. I, you know, I was involved with um, you know some very good squads and um, some good times. And,
0: and then uh, after Adelaide, it was Sydney. Sydney.
1: Yeah. Sydney, my decision to go back there was just purely based on, you know, I thought, well, we'll go back to mum and dad, uh, live with them and, um, you know, uh, kind of refocus, if you could put it that way, and just bunker down. But I went back there and, you know, um, it was under Vitaslav Levicka, who was an absolute gentleman, but I ended up starting playing left midfield of a diamond rather than my left back position. But I went in that knowing that, but it just wasn't my position. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah.
0: players are obviously professional and they will play where they're told yeah. and, what, and they will do a good job at it, but, but position are myself. positions Yeah, where I I've stronger, myself obviously. in terms
1: of, um, you know, I remember at the time thinking, yeah, you know, I can play that position of a diamond, but if I look back and think, well, I had made the Socceroos squad as a left-back, you know, why am I going to a club and trying to try a new position? Um, so, yeah, that was, yeah, that was two years, Um, you know, and... Um, I wasn't the best for them and, and I don't think that that club at that time was the best for me you know I, I felt the the club as a, as a whole at that time was um, you know had Vitaslav had just come off winning a premiership but then the whole year with Vitaslav was, was uncertain because his contract was coming up and then we didn't do well as a team and then we struggled um, and then second year it was a little bit better but um, it just didn't seem to, to really pan out well enough so I was glad to to leave Sydney at that time. Yeah, um, I think for both parties that, uh, yeah, it was good to to, to separate. And I cop I still cop a lot of crap from Sydney FC fans, <laughs> and, and I do tell them. I said, look, I wasn't, I wasn't good for you guys, um, but uh, you know, that's that's just part and parcel of football. You know, but you like. weren't good for me either. So let's just put it that way. And then, I um, I had that was the time when Western Sydney were coming for the competition and. Uh, Perth Glory were were, were, were were trying to sign me and I remember I didn't know who the coach was going to be at Western Sydney uh, I only got told from the agent at the time that Western Sydney want yeah but the, you need to, to wait off and I had no didn't know any idea who the coach was going to be or anything like that so I, uh, I went to, to Perth Glory under Fergie and um, I had a great year I enjoyed it so much with the playing group there I had Travis who's obviously my best mate in football and um, I had Steve McGarry, Jacob Burns was playing then. Um, we had Liam Miller, um, we had Hef. We just had a great group of boys. Mm. Uh, Snelsey was there, and it just—I re- just really enjoyed being around, and it really um, showed in my football. I had a, a good season, got back in the Socceroos that year under Holger, but I just f- started enjoying it again there, you know. And um, it was a great place to live, Perth. You know, and my time at Perth was, was, was good At uh, overall. I enjoyed Perth. Um, didn't enjoy the salary cap and the broken promises as, as such. But no, really? for me, that football club has always got a, a big uh, potential. Yeah. I think Tony's, Tony's showing that that if you can galvanise that whole uh, football community there, you know, you can get the old days of, you know, uh, the old NSL of Perth, Glory selling out.
0: Before Papa took over, it always struck me that Perth had a great club mentality that was a lot focused off the field yeah, rather was. than on the field
1: yeah it was it was and it was it worked in our favor you know uh, early on we had fergie and and we just had this great camaraderie around the boys but it would end up being that you know we'd um, we'd go to sydney for a week and we'd play but we would end up uh, having a, a night out or two uh, which is <laughs> which is good uh, in moderation, but. What made that team really good was, as I said, the boys we had there. Um, it was probably one of the best footballing groups I've ever had. Uh, the, you have to get to know these people because you're travelling long distances, but all the time, the, the boys in that team were, were fantastic. And I think you hit it the nail on the head there. It, it was a bit of a, a jolly up kind of uh, mentality at times. There's no doubt about it. it. Was it was working hard too. But I think in this day and age, it, it needs to be a real focus, you know, more of a, a 90, 95%, you know, and then a 5% of um, letting your hair down and enjoying each other's company Which wasn't is that the case. Popper um, would
0: uh, probably excel in that kind of thing.
1: And he does, yeah. So when he signed there, um, I'd obviously left, worked with him before, but I knew he was going to be successful there, and and, and they have been. Mm. So I, I really enjoyed Perth, as I said. Not really so much the... the um, the the drama that, that 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 happened there I ruptured my Achilles there at that at that club um, and then I obviously uh, was involved in a salary cap scandal albeit I didn't receive any payments I didn't uh, wasn't a part of that but I had um, you know I was sitting second or third at the time and then you know had been um, told that uh, we'd cheated the salary cap and um, we'd miss out on the finals and everything like that so how was, did how
0: did that feel I mean I. Could you oh, see right. the storm brewing? And yeah,
1: the but we, kept, we kept getting told to our faces uh, by Jason Brewer, the, the CEO at the time, that there was nothing wrong, you know. And when there's smoke, stuff there's, stuff fire, yeah. know, there's smoke, there's fire. You know, there's smoke, fire, and we had some big personalities there, like you know, um, well, myself, I like I'm a small man, but with a big personality. <laughs> but Vuka, um, he was there at the time, um, you know. Jake Burns was there at the time, but we were getting told to our faces, no, it's fine, nothing's happened, this and that. And it was complete bullshit you know what i mean and you know we, we we kept believing them until the time come when we got summons in the morning and we went to the training ground and then we've been told you know our our, our uh, you know it was it was like the melbourne store i can uh, totally relate to that I, I watched that on tv thinking jesus how good is this you know you eat the popcorn oh this is you know this is juicy and then flip it and i was in that and i was, it was fuming you know i so said like you work hard and you have people that have the power um, but have the responsibility to, to look after uh, well, first of all a football club, but also look after you know, individuals. Mm. And it didn't happen. It was it was devastating. So it was it was weird. I, I remember bits and pieces. I do remember the first game after the salary cap scandal. We played on a Friday night, and I thought, shit, there's going to be about two thousand people here because the relationship with Perth Glory and Perth Glory fans at the time was was already strained. Mm. They didn't like Sage at that time, and I thought, oh, this is just ah. going to put the you know the nail in the coffin and to be fair there was there was a good turnout of about eight nine thousand and I, I remember thinking you know this is why that club has a big chance of, of fulfilling its potential because after everything that this club's done to the fans the of, you still uh, want to come and turn prices. up and, yeah and it, and it worked out brilliant um and then you know people might be saying well or those fans might be saying well why did you choose to break your contract and leave well it came down to um going to western sydney well one it was the chance to work with uh, popper and work with my hometown where i grew up but also there were so many broken promises and i just didn't see how um you know the the, the club or how how i could believe the you know, the club mm. and i have no bad things to say about anyone who works there now i don't have anything bad to say about saji he put his trust in people and whether he was a part of it or not, I don't know, but I don't have anything bad to say about him, but you know, it came to a point where I was just like, as much as it is, I want to um, thank the fans and, and stay. You know, there's so much being said to me that they don't know. Yeah. And it's just been absolute lies. It's time to go.
0: Did any of the, the salary cap anger bounce back onto Andy Keogh, or was it all just no, management?
1: I only found out later that, that you know Andy was um, some bit... Uh, what was 10. <laughs> I only found out later Keo was, was, I guess, involved and had no issue with me. Um, we all get paid, and uh, whether you know you're getting paid illegally or not, it's the club who, who, who bring that to you. So I, I didn't know of anyone getting angry with Keo. If I saw him now, um, I'd have a laugh with him and, and tell him that he he, um, he cost Perth Gorey my services. <laughs> so he should they should be angry at him. But uh, <laughs> no, nah, there was no issue with individuals at that time. Yeah. You know, it was... It was a case of, um, I don't know if he knew, and none of my business if he knew was getting paid illegally, but mm. it is what it is.
0: Then on to uh, Wondery. Wondery.
1: Yeah, that was brilliant. Um, for me, that was, you know, uh, in terms of just professional football, that was up there as one of the best years, uh, getting to work with, with Tony, getting to work with you know, some great lads in, in Nikolai, uh, Bridgie, um, you know, Romeo, Kastlin, but... That is another group for different reasons why it was such an enjoyable year. You know, Perth um, and early on in Adelaide, but this year, this year with the Wonders was such a professional team, so focused. Cause the regime was so professional. It was all about getting the one percenters, getting to play at Parramatta in front of you know family, um, people I knew from school that I hadn't talked about ten years. They supported the club, so it was very nostalgic, a very romantic kind of feel about it. And we had a great season. You know, we, we should have won the premiership which I think would have catapulted us into, you know, getting a home final and then beating Adelaide. But um, we didn't, yeah, we didn't. Uh, we went to Adelaide and uh, um, we just, you know, struggled. We, we, we played the great, for me, and I might be a bit biased, but we we were involved in the greatest game in the a League history with Brisbane Roar 5-4. And um, that was the week before the grand, grand final, so maybe that took it out of us. But, I mean, I had a shit game in the final, unfortunately, and... Um, so did a few of us but that game for me is the greatest game i, I just remember I think around extra time late in extra time i've never ever done it but i remember just being absolutely stuffed and saying to Nikolai Topper stanley mate I'm, I'm i'm gone he like um and he just i just remember it like it's the greatest game i've ever been involved in yeah. um and for it to be in, in 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 wanderers in front of family and friends i remember having you know my cousin and two close mates in the, in the stands after and just celebrating with them was was brilliant. It was. Um, and then the opportunity, I mean, it was a tough one because I, I had the opportunity to go to, well, I went to Sweden, but the, the transfer came up and it was tough because, you know, I loved working there. I loved being involved with, with Wanderers, but my private life was kind of, um, I, I think in terms of my private life, I needed to experience something different um as bad as it may sound i i went i went to sweden because i wanted it's not bad i went to football but i also wanted to to try a different culture i lived in england i would lived in australia but i hadn't lived anywhere else and i didn't want to be living um when i was 40 and saying you know i, I didn't get to taste a different culture so it was more the reason i left the wanders was obviously because i got to play a chance at europa league but to try a different culture, and that was for me as a person mm. more so than than football reasons. But yeah, um, you know, I, I wish you know I had the opportunity to have, have played Wanderers a few years prior to that too. It would have been great. But that's
0: uh, one of the things that Carnegie gets uh, a lot of stick for. That you know he's dotted around the world and played so many different clubs. But geez, he's seen a lot of yeah. the world. Yeah, I mean, I and went he's had such a fantastic uh,
1: yeah. travel. I went to it's Sweden. True. If you'd told me, if, if would you play in Sweden? I would be like, nah. You don't know much about Sweden apart from, yeah, uh, you know, the individual, like Henrik Larsson, time people like that. But I knew a little bit about uh, Malmö and stuff like that. But then you know, IFK Gothenburg came up, and I enjoyed that year. It was, it was. Uh, I enjoyed it purely based on how I got to grow as a real person. You know, I went to a country, different culture. I was twenty eight. 27 so i wasn't immature i was mature but it was just a growing experience and you know, i got to experience a, a historic city um being back in europe the opportunity is to fly two hours and be in another country and see other friends and family and that professional environment was good because you know we got to you know, play for promotion relegation you, you know the, these fans historically are, are very passionate and you know, i was involved in a um, uh, a bribing scandal there too so um, I had my scandals <laughs> here there and everywhere I wasn't I or, involved um, no but short a long story short um, we were supposed to play AIK and on a Friday we got told to come into the training ground that the AIK reserve keeper had been tapped up by um, some foreign gangsters and that if he didn't throw the game uh, that um, his family would be killed so the game got cancelled eventually uh, if you do re- google uh, IFK um, sure. Aik. So yeah, that was it. Was pretty surreal because I mean, in Australia, it would never happen. You know, you're never going to get um, games well, thrown by gangsters. You don't think. But I was just sitting there thinking, "Shit, this is you know pretty full on." And um, nice. so it was what it was. But uh, yeah, the uh, the experience of Sweden was good. It was good for me as a person to grow up, and then the opportunity to come home and and be a part of this club and uh, you know a club that. For me, potential is, is, is undeniable. There's yep. everything that um, a footballer needs here at this club. You know, the opportunity to, to live in a great city like Melbourne, but to be a part of a, a big club um, that hadn't fulfilled its potential as such was, was exciting. And then a four-year contract um, security and you know, to come back and, and do it with, with Melbourne was, was, was really um, you know, really exciting.
0: So this season, is this, this is going to be city season?
1: Uh, I think it's a um, well. I can't I can't give you a forecast apart from where we are today and, and where we are where we sit right now. Um, it's been really good, um, and that's not and that's no bullshit. That's no um cliche. Uh, I would give you a different answer without um you know going straight to the point. If I didn't think things were rosy, but it's been really good. Um, you know we have Eric come in and, and his philosophy is uh, changed. Um, and we've you know as a group you know, we've, we've all just bought into to what he wants to do and I think it's been really good.
0: What is his vision?
1: Uh, his vision, first and foremost, is to win football games, but the way he wants to do it is is, 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 um, is to play football in an attacking way and, um, you know, really uh, maximise every uh, ounce of, of, of grass that's on that pitch and, and that's, um, you know, it's refreshing um, that we're going to try and win games like that and whether it works or not... Uh, ask me this time next year but um and, and a lot of um you know the feeling around the club is, is really positive and you know there's a lot made of warren's tenure uh, I, I have a lot of respect for warren i still speak to warren um he had to come in and change a few a lot of things at this club and he did do that the results we wish were better i thought we were stitched up completely by o'reilly scoring that um wonder goal because if he doesn't do that then i think we beat newcastle and then have a big chance of of kicking on and winning something so you know Warren's uh style probably wasn't appreciated by a lot of people but you know I, I think Warren uh definitely came had the job to do and he, and he did that and unfortunately the results didn't show that but he definitely made a big impact in this club and then Eric along with what Warren's done has it's a real uh real recipe I think you know to, to try and do well and, and do well so I think we're we're in a good place at this moment um you know, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but I don't think um, the the house is going to fall down. As such, I think we're in a really good place. We've got five youngsters away with the you. the young Socceroos. We've got Maka in the Socceroos squad. Uh, we're still in the FFA Cup, um, but we've also got a squad settled. You know, we've got all our foreigners in, uh, which a lot of clubs don't, and and that's a big thing. You know, you need your foreigners early to settle to understand the surroundings of what's um, you know in this country. So uh, there's 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 a lot of good things going for us at the moment, and. Uh, that's what we can we can ask for.
0: Last season, the uh, the Foreign Rolly thing seemed to be a shadow hanging over the club. Yeah, it most was. Of the season,
1: it was. Um, and as players, we dealt with it um, as good as as you could have asked for. You know, we we I was involved with Pio at Wanderers and that's a marquee. Albeit it didn't have the same history Bruno had here, but he was a marquee on massive money, not playing, and the same questions weren't asked or the same scrutiny mm. that uh, we copped wasn't on the same at Wanderers for whatever reason. Mm. Um, Bruno's is a legend. His club, Bruno, uh, obviously had uh, did a lot for this club in terms of you know helping win the FA Cup. But um, he, what he was asked of to do last year, he didn't do, and uh, it was um, time for him to move on. And um, you know we have we, we we wish him well. I think he'll do really well under Popper. But it had to to separate. You know he had to for him probably. I, I think if he looks at it, he needed a change of scenery and the club. Uh, had to go through to, to really stamp what we needed to change was you know, the, the team um, and no one's bigger than the football club and, and everyone's got to buy into to, to what's after them. So it was over our heads. We dealt with it as good as we could, I thought, as a group. Um, and and now we, we've moved on. And, and um, like I said, and I'll, I'll state it, what Bruno did for this club was undeniable and he'll always be a legend here, but it's time to move on and we have.
0: If you're going to replace him, Macca's pretty good and that's Mons another thing, in.
1: yeah, that's another thing I, 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 I've got to be in my bonnet about, you know, we've, Bruno's a legend, but, you know, we've brought in the Australian uh, number nine, who's a local boy from Melbourne, it's not that bad, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, know, I can understand people have been a bit hungover, but not anymore, I mean, this is, I mean, I look at it in the sense of, you know, this is the Australian number nine we're talking about, um, he's a Melbourne boy, this is brilliant, and this is exciting, this is, uh, a lot of people complain that there's not enough uh, locals, but... This is a figurehead. So, yeah, that's. The, that I think the club, uh, the fans and, and everything about it now are really excited with, with what's going on and have, have um, you know put the past in the past and, and appreciative. it. But, you know, we've got number nine hopefully scoring lots of goals for us.
0: Who's going to be your biggest uh, competition this season then? Uh,
1: look, I, I think you can't go past Perth Glory. Uh, I think they'll be good this year. Um, you know, you'll you look at, I think... Uh, Uh, Our friends down the road, Victory, uh, will always be great. So those teams will always be good. I think yeah, the the bottom teams, you know, Mariners they've they've seemed to have strengthened. They've seemed to have got you know some good people in charge there, in Mike and Noel, and um, you know Western United coming in will be interesting. But I think you know in terms of if you if you have to say who's a favourite now, I think Perth uh, will will be up there. Yeah. Uh, Although they've had a lot of change, but Perth will be up there, and um, I'd like to think ourselves will be will be very close this year.
0: Excellent. Fingers crossed. Thank you very much. Thank you you for your time. It's all over! What about that? That's one of the strikes of the season. Oh, what a goal that is! Penalty! Penalty!